This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Dan Loney. Welcome back. Hour number two of Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111. Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. October is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, designed more than a decade ago in partnership with the Department of Homeland Security to make sure that all Americans stay safe online. Part of this concern deals with our children and their ever-increasing use of the Internet. But the increased use of the Internet will also have an impact on kids' social development, as well as some of the skills that many of you listening to us right now learned when you or I were in high school many, many years ago. Amy Bleakley is a senior research scientist and lecturer at the Annenberg School of Communication here at the University of Pennsylvania. She was part of a panel at an event on cybersecurity for our kids here at the university. She joins me in studio, as does Heather Luna, who's a systems administrator here at the Wharton School. Ladies, great to see you. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. I guess when we're talking about best practices for protecting our kids, what are some of the things, Heather, that, that first come to mind? Uh, the the first thing that comes to mind for me is actually opening up an open dialogue with your children about their internet use, uh, not having that ability to discuss with your children or opening up the dialogue can cause issues. So it's important to be supported, uh, supportive of your kids in that environment. Um, don't be afraid to ask what websites they're going to, what they're using it for, um, and things of that nature. It's just important to have that open dialogue to start. Um, and to build off of that, uh, just knowing, monitoring their use, um, devices to bed at night, you know, yeah. devices should not be going to into your children's rooms, things of that nature. Um, having a safe place, um, possibly in the living room or the kitchen, where mobile devices can go to be charged at night. That way your kids are sleeping and they're not staying up and being online too late at night um, so that they're having a good work day. Uh, the Internet is a good resource that we didn't have back in the, the day. I didn't have it when I was growing up, but it's great for educational purposes. Um, so it's important to also focus on that and to not be too scared about your kids using the Internet because when it's used appropriately and safely, it can be a good resource and a good place for them to engage in their interests. Amy, things you like that? Yeah, I think I think that's great. I think uh, it's really important for parents to communicate the whole idea of being aware of what your child is doing. Um, you know, one thing that we talk about, too, is parents modeling the behavior that they want for their kids okay. um, in terms of how they use their phones, what they're doing online, that kind of thing. And something else we try and talk about is uh, digital literacy, right? So trying to teach uh, teens and young adults uh, what it means to be a good Internet citizen, how right. to act online, the the consequences of what they might put online or how they might uh, treat others online and really try and emphasize um, good social skills. Which is an important thing because we have mentioned this a couple of times is that there seems to be in many cases when you're talking about use of the internet and, and specifically use of social media, almost a feeling out there from a lot of adults that you can post pretty much anything you want disparage somebody and get away with it and there, there are no consequences and that becomes 
kind of playing to what you said becomes a, an, an important factor when you're talking about dealing with your kids. Yeah, well, there are, uh, for young people, social consequences, of course, yeah. uh, with their peer groups that they may or may not um, you know, think about when they're doing that. But yes, you're right. Um, but I think later on, there are consequences. I mean, now, um, several of my students, you know, are very aware of what they're posting on their Facebook pages or their social media, because future employers sure. go and look at that. I mean, these are college students now. So younger students might not be thinking that far ahead. Well, when you look at, at children's development, how do you think it is impacting them the most? And, and I think to a degree on a negative side, in this society today, because all of this content, all of this contact, which is so different from when I was a young guy, mm-hmm. and you would go over to your friend's house to talk to them. Now, kids want to just text them or FaceTime them. So how do you think that's that's impacting development in general? Well, it's a big question, right? So I think that's one of the main concerns, the idea that uh, kids aren't getting that face-to-face interaction and learning how to look someone in the eye and have a conversation. Uh, But we do see some benefits of social media. They really feel like they can connect with their peers. It's just another way. So, you know, we talk about addiction to the internet or social media, Um, but really it could be thought of as an addiction to their peers, which is a normal adolescent developmental stage. And this technology allows them to connect with peers in a different way. A lot of teenagers these days are overscheduled. They have so many things going on and they can't spend as much time just going to somebody's house or hanging out. And so uh, social media and the internet affords them those opportunities. So that's a, that's a good thing. It does give some adolescents um, the idea of you know, the feeling of social support and sort of a validation of what they might be feeling or doing. But then on the other hand, um, you know, there's the idea that it can be isolating if they're not invited to things that they see happening, for example, or, um, you know, if they're talked to in a particular way, the whole idea of cyberbullying. You know, there are pros and cons, but it does get a bad rap. A lot of the time, I think, like Heather was saying, people are parents especially are fearful that how their kids are behaving online or what's going on but but it's not all bad well i I mean it it really does kind of when i was thinking about this the other day in in preparing to talk to you you think about obviously the role that the parent has to play in this process there's also a little bit of an element that the that the child plays in this as well especially if they get into the later teen years when they're getting to college there's more and more of an understanding so it's almost a dual partnership between the parent and the child as to how you approach this which is why you need to establish those which is why you need to establish um open connection at the beginning sitting down and having an open conversation is going to promote your child's ability to touch base with you if they are being cyberbullied and feeling like they have a safe space um, to go to. Also something that we've been seeing that our keynote, um, Erica Pelevin, mentions, um, we've seen that children are looking up their symptoms online if they're not feeling well and they're not asking um, for medical help right away because they are self-diagnosing. So that's something you want to keep an eye out Hmm. for. And making sure that you have that open dialogue allows you to come back and address things like that. Um, If you're not having those conversations and you're closed off, your child's probably not going to feel safe having a conversation with you about what they're doing. So it's just super important. How much of an issue is it when you think about uh, statistical, and and this could be for both of you, 
I mean, children that are either impacted by negative approach on the internet, uh, they, they are not understanding. I, I mean, I would think if you're if you're looking at potentially fifty percent of the kids out there that are socially active on the internet or are using the internet, you know, on a daily basis for whatever it may be. I would think a majority of those kids at some point have had some sort of negative contact with somebody online and maybe not that high, but still it's, it's a, it's a valid concern, especially with potentially all the predators that are out there online as well. Yeah. Um, and also we have to think about it that, you know, what our social media presence sits on is technology and that changes every day. I was yeah. researching for a skill that I just did, and it's over one million new threats a day coming from the cybersecurity world, whether that's malware wow. or pe- people people that are out there, um, they will adjust according to the technology. So as technology grows, you know, the way that children interact online is going to grow. The way that we interact online is going to grow. We are faced with so many new threats nowadays than we were you know, a few months ago or even last week. It's being aware that those threats exist um, and looking at resources to keep yourself up to date on what's happening and what's new in the world of cybersecurity that's going to help aid in keeping even parents safe. Adults have their own set of issues they need to worry about. Parents have their own set of issues that because a parent needs to think differently about internet safety than a child does. Right. But there's so there, like you had said earlier, um, children. It's it is kind of like a dual relationship going on. Parents and adults need to do their job and keeping themselves off to date, up to date, and then children kind of just have to listen to what their parents are saying. And it's there's so many things going on. But keeping yourself up to date as the technology changes is key to keeping yourself safe on the internet and it's going to change all the time because the threats change every yeah. day you're listening to knowledge at wharton here on sirius xm 111 business radio powered by the wharton school we're talking about the internet and the safety of our children uh, using the internet we're joined here in studio by heather luna who's a systems administrator here at the wharton school and also by amy bleakley senior research scientist and lecturer at the annenberg school here at the university of pennsylvania uh when you're talking about that parent-child relationship with the use of the internet, I think we assume that parents have a full understanding of everything that it kind of goes on in the internet. I'm learning with three kids <laughs> that I don't necessarily know everything, and I have to rely on other resources to you know to be able to understand that. Is that a concern as well for you, that that relationship between the parents and the parents maybe not necessarily – they want to look out for the best interests of their kids, but they may, may not know everything they need to know? Yeah, that's a great point. Um Adolescents, teenagers, they're much more savvy with technology, the internet, all these different social media apps than their parents, right? So sometimes when we talk about uh, communicating with your teens, it doesn't necessarily specifically have to be – uh, specific to technology, sure. just having a good relationship, uh, one in which you can try and foster your kid feeling comfortable coming to talk to you uh, just more broadly about things is really important, I think. Uh, and then the technology, you know, for adolescents, they they have, you know, they know more about the different applications and 
who they're friends with on certain sites and not right. others and what they're going to share with certain people here and there. I mean, as parents started getting onto Facebook, the teens started moving off of Facebook. And so now they are um, using other apps where they can discuss things more freely with their peers, but right. use Facebook to maintain pictures, you know, post pictures for grandma to see and for their parents to chime in on and things like that. So, But we're also seeing now the response. Uh, part of this is the responsibility of the social media companies as well. The Facebooks, the Twitters, the Snapchats, the Instagrams of the world, and that they are starting to realize that they must take a greater role in this. They're not necessarily looking out for each individual kid, but they're trying to set up an, an overall process where it's a little bit safer than it potentially has been in years past. I think that's right. I think, you know, there are more and more safeguards. But, um, you know, when we say safer, and you mentioned predators before, that is fairly uh, rare. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not as common as people think. Like, that is not one of the main issues, I don't yeah. think. Uh, there's other risks involved with um predators and even cyberbullying it's hard to get a handle on how often that happens because a lot of times we rely on the self-reports of adolescents and what they think of cyberbullying um you know might be different from what we might think so it's even hard to get a handle on that um but yeah i think that the companies try and do what they can but again you know they have these policies and not everybody knows what these policies are, like who can see what or how to change your settings. I mean, that's one thing that um, some, you know, youth are more on top of than others. And um, they just know the basics, like on Snapchat, they know that their snaps disappear after 30 seconds. So they feel more safe saying things or posting things in their snaps on Snapchat than they might on Facebook, where they know that um, there's a wider network of people who can see what they're doing. Heather? Uh, As far as the social media sites are concerned, they do have age policies. um, So we should definitely be following those. Uh, I believe it is 13 and up for social media platforms. So parents should not be trying to go around those policies. They're there for a reason. I do know that some of the advanced settings for security are sometimes buried on purpose. So actually searching those things out on Google to try and find those advanced security settings on the social media platforms you're using, Mm -hmm. you may have to do that. It may not be right in your face as you sign on and go to privacy. It may actually be buried down a lot more because these social media sites, they do make money from marketers and things of that nature. So they're going to hide those more. Uh, So you can just simply Google advanced privacy settings for whatever social media platform you want to look at. They are responsible for documenting how to do that. You just might have to do a little extra searching. I find it interesting also the fact that uh, when you think about the home and as you were saying before in terms of you know not allowing kids to take their devices to their room or whatever it might be but one of the things i saw that, that i find is, is a great tool is one if you have a quote-unquote family computer keep it in a central area but also and and i've done this as well is have separate accounts on that computer for your kids so that there's no crossover with what the parents are doing but also it may allow you – I know there are devices out there that will be able to restrict the amount of time that kids will be able to use the Internet, which is also another factor in there. Keeping the computer in a central room of the house, the family computer, it is not saying I am here and I am looking over your shoulder, but it is – 
presenting the environment that, okay, I am in a central area of my home and there's a presence of an adult probably around most of the time. And children will think twice before engaging in what could be unsafe habits, whether that's, you know, downloading a file that they're not sure of. That's another thing that we run into. Um, and, and going to chat rooms that maybe they're not supposed to be visiting. It's just having it in a central area of the house will make kids think twice than if there's a computer in the room or a device in the room, things of that nature. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So. I think that does become more challenging, though, with all these mobile devices. Yes. Uh, sure. You know, yeah. the, even a lot of students are getting laptops from their high schools, you sure. know, tablets, so they take them everywhere. But I think what you were saying about um, – devices out of the bedroom in the evening before bedtime is really important um, because not so much from a social perspective or a developmental perspective, but we show that uh, we've seen that young people who have their phones in the room at night suffer sleep-wise. Yeah. They're not sleeping as yeah. well. And that's yeah. a big issue right now that adolescents aren't getting enough sleep as it is. And so they're just texting and on social media. And so... Or waiting rules. for the alarm to wake them up in the morning. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I think that's one thing. I mean, we've always advocated for the idea of keeping a television out of the bedroom, and yeah. now we're doing so with some devices, too. We're talking with uh, Amy Bleakley of the Annenberg School here at the University of Pennsylvania, Heather Luna of the Wharton School. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. As we mentioned, October is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. We are talking about uh, dealing with cybersecurity, but also dealing with uh, the Internet and the use of the Internet of our children uh, as you're listening here to Sirius XM 111. In terms of the future, though, I mean, as as you said, as our kids are more savvy with these devices, what do you think that means potentially for when they become adults and then they start to have kids? Because as you both have mentioned, the technology is just going to increase and the use of it is going to increase. So are, are you feeling positive that this age group, these young kids that are more tech savvy, will have a better awareness of it and it will be better for that next generation of kids? Or is there still a cause to be concerned? I don't know. I think technology changes so rapidly. Who knows what it's going to look like when when these adolescents are parents themselves? I mean, yeah. the landscape could be completely different. I do know. I mean, if things stay relatively the same. I think household or home environments are going to change dramatically. I mean, they have already with the introduction of all these devices yeah. and, you know, all the different screens and just think of all the different even channels we can watch compared to when we were younger sure. on TV. Um, and so I think family dynamics in terms of how technology and communication come into play will will transform a little bit. Um, and they might not be as savvy as right. then their kids. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's Heather? a learning curve. Things that I think about uh, technology-wise that are coming down the line, self-driving cars are not far away. Tesla's doing their thing with self-driving cars. You have smart home. All of that stuff is the internet of things yeah. that that introduces a whole different host of threats that we could be open to that we just don't know very much about just yet. Second generation, our kids' kids at this point, they're going to probably have to be paying more attention to those sort of things. So that's going to be new technology that we don't really have, you know, 
safe safe use case scenarios yet because it's just too new. Yeah. I think that those are the things that we're going to have to think about. But I think establishing an awareness of staying on top of technology is going to be key to helping provide that sort of guidance down the line. Just being aware that these threats exist and that as technology grows, those threats are going to change is the first step into making sure that we're practicing safe internet use for all ages. Well, one of the areas, and, and I'm very aware of, this, aware of this with my kids, is uh, the use of data. And if you if they want to download an app or a program, whether it be to a smartphone or to you know your home computer, invariably whatever that is is going to be trying to ask you for personal information and the last thing i will ever do is allow my kids to put their own per- I, I if it's a game that i think is is a development game that brings some benefit to them i'll put my information on there i'll, mm-hmm. I'll take that yeah. you never ever want to allow your kids to have any kind of of contact as much as you can on the internet some of the one of the tips that I have been researching is to actually not to set your children's iPhone up or their mobile device, but do not give them your iCloud password and throw in the the safe catch that anytime your child needs to download an app, they will probably need to enter that password and they need to come to you. Yep, yep. That gives you the opportunity to see what app they're wanting to use, to take a look at it, maybe do a little research, a quick Google search to see how safe it is, what they might be prompted for. And then that gives you a little control over the apps that they're downloading because the last thing, like you said, that you want to do is have your children entering their personal information, um, stuff that most apps probably don't need. And part of that is also the fact that a lot of these apps, even if they don't have a, a monetary component to them at the outset, Usually they may have some sort of loop inside that will have a monetary component. Right, you have to buy things a, to keep exactly. advancing and, in the and games. There, yeah. there's, a, a, there's another huge element oh, where yeah. we're talking Marketing. about it's almost to a degree like the issues surrounding gambling. You're, you're getting yeah. into a financial area where kids are not able to handle it. Yeah, I think, you know, going back to those policies again, the very the, – the little writing at the bottom when you put all your information in, they just don't have an understanding of some of that. Um, kids who are just getting started, they just want to play the game and they don't yeah. see, um, you know, down the line what the consequences are of that stuff. What element, and this is changing the scope a little bit, but what element right now are state and federal governments playing in this area of protecting kids on the internet and maybe what role do they potentially need to look at because one of the things i've mentioned on this show before is that it seems like where areas of the internet uh, are concerned our government seems to be five and six steps behind now part of that is as you said the internet is and technology is constantly changing but still there may be something that that needs to be addressed from that perspective I do think that you hit the nail on the head talking about collecting data. We're seeing a lot of data breaches lately, and it is we need to be establishing rules around that at a federal level, um, establishing rules around keeping people's data safe. As our kids enter this data, we're saying that it's it's not normally for monetary reasons. It's just asking for data, but the data that is provided is kept somewhere. And we've seen data breaches just recently we need to be careful about that. All information is stored somewhere on the internet and can be used. Um, and I know that they are establishing things in the government um, 
with the recent data breach to help protect against that. Holding companies accountable that do have these data breaches, I think, is where the government needs to stay focused. Because if there's no repercussions around keeping data insecure, companies are not going to change their practices around security. And that's what needs to happen. Mamie? I think that's right. I mean, I don't I don't really know that much about the um, local and state and federal regulations when it comes to that. Um, I approach technology from more of a family perspective. Yeah. So I, you know, would encourage rely the parents relying on themselves yeah. <laughs> to regulate. <laughs> and <laughs> never the, worry about yeah, the government trying in to get the involved. Absence of, <laughs> exactly. You know. Great having you both here today. Thank you very much. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Amy Bleakley uh, from the Annenberg School here at the University of Pennsylvania and Heather Luna from the Wharton School. You're listening to Knowledge of Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.